Beyond the Ranch with Jay Gannon from Find the Ranch. Welcome to Beyond the Wrench. I am your host, Jay Gannon, and today we're going to talk with Amanda Schuer. Amanda is the Senior Vice President of Quality Transport Company based out of Freeport, Illinois. She has a wide range of experience in the trucking industry and is very involved with the Technology and Maintenance Council, which is actually where I got to meet her. Amanda is very passionate about the trucking world and is very familiar with the pain that a shortage of Texas had on our industry and, and really just a, a good general discussion on on trucking in the industry and, and everything that goes into it. So welcome to the show, Amanda. I'm looking forward to catching up. How are things in your world? Thanks, Jay. Uh, it's fun to be here. I'm excited to talk trucks. I'm always excited to talk trucks. So I'm uh, excited to you know talk about some of the things we've been facing in the industry as of late and you know technician shortage and technician staffing problems and um, the Technology and Maintenance Council. So cool. excited to be here. So tell me a little bit about what you do in your day-to-day job, right? Because you, you kind of, uh, as we talk, really have two almost separate roles, it feels like, with, the, with, the, uh, with your day-to-day job and what you've got going on at TMC. So let's start with what you're doing on a daily basis. So on a daily basis, we are a small drive-in carrier located near Rockford, Illinois. We have about 31 trucks, about 62 trailers. And on a day-to-day basis right now, I'm overseeing operations, dispatch, safety, human resources. Uh, we're a small office, obviously, because we're not a big fleet. And so we wear many hats. And so I actually was at a larger carrier before this, and I felt like one of the areas of, I guess, expertise I wanted to learn more was about kind of the daily operations of a trucking company. And so now in my role as senior vice president, I think there are a lot more things I get to do on a daily basis, you know, than in previous roles I've had in the industry. And so sometimes that means I'm, you know, taking a road breakdown call at 11 o'clock at night, like I was two nights ago. (laughs) And sometimes I'm dispatching at five in the morning. So, you know, why not? You know, I think because I am so passionate about the industry, I think it's, it's a fun role for me because I get to have my hands on a lot of stuff. That's cool. So how, how did you get so passionate about it? And how did, how did you, how did you get to this point in your career? Right? Because you've, you've had, uh, and we'll talk more about the TMC side, but uh, so much experience at a young age in, in trucking. How did you get into this, this and get to this point? So something that a lot of people don't know about me is that my grandfather owned a Mack truck dealership in ah. Pennsylvania when I was growing up and ran some trucks on his own as well. But that it was never like it was never my intention to to go into trucking, right? So I go to college, I get my degree in journalism, and I was working at an event planning agency. And whatever happened with the economy, I was laid off and looking for a job. And I found a role in marketing at a large Kenworth dealership. And I didn't even at the time correlate the fact that what my grandfather had done and you know this position. So I applied for it and I got the job and I started there and it was just like a light bulb moment for me. And and I don't even know, you know, to this day what it was, but it was something about 
the people that I was working with and just, you know, the change, everything, everything was different on a, you know, daily basis. And there were always problems to be solved. And so that was in 2006. And so a lot of my initial background in the industry was dealership, you know, parts and sales marketing. And then I actually went into aftermarket parts sales for about four years. And then that's probably where I found my passion within TMC, the organization, because a lot of uh, my customers were TMC attendees. And so that's kind of when I got pretty involved with TMC. And then because I wanted to, I guess, continue my career in the industry, I realized that the only real hole, I guess, if you will, was working for a carrier. So I switched to the fleet side of things about five years ago now. Um, and I've been on the, the fleet side of things for the past five years. So that's pretty cool. I did. I didn't know the part about your grandfather. That's uh that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. And it's really cool because my dad's like a dentist and like nothing to do with trucks. And so my grandfather <laughs> knew that I went into trucking before he passed. So he passed about a year after I started in trucking. Oh. And I think it was pretty cool because he would ask me questions about, you know, trucks and I could answer them. And so we had that that special connection, you know, before he passed. So that was, oh my that was gosh. pretty cool. That's so, crazy. Yeah. That is really, really cool. So you get to carry kind of that, that on or that piece of him on. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's deep. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's something I'm proud of for sure. So yeah. that's cool. So tell me a little bit about the TMC side. First off, explain to everybody because there are some listeners that aren't maybe trucking based that, that listen to this podcast. Uh, what is TMC and what does it do for the industry? I've gotten a little bit more involved and I, I just love the organization in general, but uh, walk us through a little bit of what it is. Sure. So the Technology Maintenance Council is, I guess, a, a division or subset of the American Trucking Association. And so just like they have, you know, a safety council, a management council, things like that, we have the Technology and Maintenance Council. And so it's, you know, a collective group of folks who are all, you know, who get together, I guess, maintenance minded to look at different, you know, maintenance issues and new technology. And we get together and kind of collectively determine, you know, recommended practices for the industry. So we're looking at, you know, both from a maintenance and engineering perspective, I guess, kind of the best of the best things to do, the the ways to treat our equipment, you know, to to fix our equipment, to maintain our equipment. So it's kind of a mixture of, um, you know, fleet maintenance representatives, so, you know, directors of maintenance, vice president of maintenance, and then, um, you know, OE dealership, and then also parts supply personnel, vendor personnel. And, you know, like I said, I actually have been involved in TMC since 2008, and I started in the organization because of the super tech competition, which is a competition for professional diesel technicians. And the minute I saw that, it again, it was like another light bulb moment. It was like, this is one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Yeah. And so I got really heavily involved with super tech when I started in TMC. And I, and I think one thing that people don't know about the organization is sometimes a lot of people go just to see super tech, but then they don't know how much other educational, you know, topics and sessions and whatever we have as well. And, and same with the trade show. I think a lot of people go to the trade show, 
not knowing all of the other things we're doing behind the scenes. So, um, like I said, I got involved because of Super Tech, and then I realized that I wanted to get more involved with the organization and, you know, continue to build my network. And, and so that's kind of how I wound up where I am now with S5, the S5 study group. So it's, it's really cool. And I, you kind of brought me into the fold in terms of coming down and speaking to, a, a, I think I spoke at a panel in Raleigh uh, and uh, it, the amount of smart driven people at TMC is really fun. I mean, I, the networking there, the, uh, just everything that went into it, I, it just blew my mind I, uh, of how cool that was. So I, I give a lot of credit to you and everybody that really is at the core of TMC and trying to drive that progress forward. And I honestly can't remember, I think the panel I spoke on was in regard to a career path for technicians, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, and and I think you got it. Yeah. All yep. right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's been a while, but I I, I kind of I kind of remembered that. Um, but I think talking about that and talking about that technician development and the career paths was an important thing. But even to go maybe even a little bit deeper than that was that you looked at it or your group looked at it and said, okay, what are issues facing the transportation industry? And that was a major thing, right? Is that not knowing what a career path would look like for a technician. How do you come up with those ideas or the, you know, really kind of understanding the struggle of what uh, maybe a fleet or a dealership or, you know, whatever it is might have. How, how do you come up with those focus points on, on just something like that? Like the, the speaking, um, I, I don't know, kind of round table type discussions. No, that's a great question. Okay, so the official title of your panel was called The Evolution of a Professional Diesel Technician. So, yes. and it was a great session, right? And and so I think one of the things that that's cool about TNC as an organization is we exist really to solve the issues of our members. And so the study group, you know, that I'm most involved with is is fleet maintenance management. And I think it's just the coolest study group in the whole organization. And, you know, obviously I'm biased, but what we get to do as, as our study group is really look at the pain points that shop managers face on a daily basis. And who knows it better than the people who live it. And yeah. so I think, you know, when we, when we came up with that, the, that panel, you know, the evolution of a professional diesel technician, a lot of the folks involved in the S5 study group are men and women who've ascended through the ranks and basically started, you know, went to tech school, you know, started wrenching and kind of worked their way up. And, and what came out of it is they take a role in management and suddenly they're having to do Excel spreadsheets and suddenly they're having to report KPIs. And it's a lot different you know, going from wrenching on the floor to being in an office and, you know, dealing with personnel issues and dealing with, you know, how to schedule your shop and some of that. And so that's how that session was created. And, and really to that point, I think all of the study groups within TMC exist to, you know, solve issues that, that members are having. But I think mine is, is the coolest because I have the most, you know, I guess opportunities for, for real world, you know, maybe a little less technical than some of the other study groups, but ours is so applicable to our daily lives, which is, which is cool. It so. is. 
Yeah, yeah. And I, I thought it was such a, a good approach to it because it's something that I, I talk about pretty regularly and, and just trying to help paint the picture for a tech of what they can do. You know, there, there's so much opportunity out there for these guys and they don't, a lot of times, guys and girls that don't understand that there, there are things out there. And I was one of them growing up where I just didn't, I, I didn't know that there was anything outside of my little small town and my dad's shop that I that I could go do. And once you get out in the real world and see all of the opportunity that's out there, even within an org organization, uh, it's, I think it blows some people's minds in that regard. So I applaud you for, for doing that and for kind of taking the initiative to, to drive that panel discussion, because that, that was a really, really important discussion to have. Now, on the trucking side, and, and from what you see, the, the technician shortage is real there too, right? Or is, what? give me an idea of what you see for maybe people coming into the industry, staying in the industry. Do you see any problems there? Or is it, you know, is it maybe a little bit easier than the automotive side? Or do you have problems trying to find techs? I do. And, you know, I'm, I'm a unique situation where I'm at now in that, I'm in kind of a strange location and I'm, I'm a small fleet and whatever, but I, I would take a top talent level tech in a heartbeat. Yeah. Um, no questions, you know, walk in the door, I'd hire him the same day. I think, you know, we struggle with where we're at, you know, in our fleet, we struggle with, you know, how much we can, we can pay, we yeah. compete against dealerships. You know, it's hard to sell, you know, maybe working in our shop that isn't as nice, you know, you know, things like that. And it, it is a challenge. And so actually in one of my previous roles at a dealership, my main responsibility was recruiting professional techs. And yeah. it was an interesting position. You know, I would often tell the story, you know, I, I come out of, you know, private Midwestern college with my four-year degree and I'm pretty proud of my salary. And at the time I was hiring diesel techs for double what I was making. <laughs> yeah. And that's awesome. And they should be compensated that way, you know, and it, but I think there's still, you know, even like pressure, I guess, almost, you know, go to college, go to college. And, and, you know, I think we as an industry have to do better about making these careers, you know, interesting and reminding people that that career path does exist. And, you know, even if you don't want to rent all of your life, you can end up, you know, working in the shop, working on warranty issues, you know, that you can be a, a service advisor. Like there, there are career paths and you can ascend the ladder. And I think a lot of people you know, don't know that. And, and now, you know, sometimes I work with a couple organizations here in Kansas City, you know, career fairs for various age kiddos. And I, I love standing next to the college admissions people and be like, you know what, you don't have to go to college and I'll pay you $75,000 a year. You know, I mean, it's like, I just think that it's the trucking industry in general is, is such a good industry. Yes. And we employ so many people. And like, I'm very passionate about this. I love it. I love because, it. You know, just because I think that like it, it's done so much for me and shaped me as a person in my career. And when I go to the career fairs, it's like, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. I want to be a police officer, which those are all fine. And we need those people in those careers. But like, 
trucking is so good too. And it's, yeah. it's just, that's something that I, I struggle with a lot, but to your original question, yes, I think that, you know, finding qualified technicians is really critical right now. And I think to that point, you know, working on apprenticeship programs and, and getting kids interested in, you know, becoming technicians earlier in their lives, I, I think that's critical to, you know, for us to sustain. Well, and I think you hit on a, on a key point right there where I think a lot of shops might, I don't want to say misunderstand this, but maybe go at it in the wrong approach where there is, you end up getting in a wage battle for a tech and it's not always about that, right? Like obviously money is a really, really important piece, but understanding what makes your shop unique and what makes your company unique and what, you know, there's not everybody wants that corporate polished, you know, high level job. There's some people that are really comfortable being in a small town and being, you know, not, not have to go through stoplights or, or do some of that, you know, that kind of big city bustle. So there, there is, uh, I, I think more and more as we're, as we're getting into this and, and we're starting to get so many talented people in the industry in general, right? And I, not that there wasn't always talented people, but it feels like from the trucking side, there's, I mean, some of the smartest people I know are on, the, on that trucking side. They're extremely smart people. And that includes technicians. So trying to trying to figure out what is a good fit for you, both from a shop's perspective and from a technician's perspective, what is it truly that drives you and, and really makes you happy, uh, I think is a big thing. And and there's, I, I think a, a big piece of that is even from the shop side saying, okay, we need to find somebody that's going to fit here, not just a, not just a technically sound, great technician. We need somebody in here that is gonna fit our culture you know, that can fit our I, culture. I say this all the time is kind of a buzzword, but I truly think, especially with technicians, like if you don't fit in with the group, it becomes evident really, really fast. And so I, I've noticed that from the dealership end, I've noticed that from the independent end, I've noticed that from the fleet end where a tech, where if you would have just shifted them to a, a maybe not a different industry, but a different sector of the industry and found, hey, you know what, I'm much more comfortable in this. You said that to it to me, and I'm like, oh my gosh, that that's a that's such a great point. And I think that's where the role of mentors are so important. And maybe mentors and culture and all that stuff is a buzz right now. But I think even in the culture of a trucking company in general, you know, I think to be completely candid, we've had some pretty crazy personnel issues, you know, at, at my trucking company lately, yeah. and we're not for everybody. <laughs> we we no. are, you know, we, we, like I said, we wear many hats and we work all hours and there are a lot of demands. And I think setting the tone for what the expectation is, is just really important, whether that's for a technician or a driver or an office employee. And if it's not the right fit, you know, I think either acknowledging that as quickly as possible or really utilizing that mentor and you know saying you know you're going to work with this technician on these skills for this amount of time and then that technician is going to say yep okay we've completed you know that unit and then move on to the next i mean i, I think fleets are getting more successful in identifying you know internal training programs for yes. new technicians and certain skill sets that need to be completed, you know, as they, you know, join a fleet as an entry level technician. And, and so I think those mentorships 
are even more critical. You know, nobody wants turnover, you know, from the technician standpoint and the driver standpoint. And so I think, you know, at a fleet level, we have to look at how can we retain those individuals once we've gone to the expense of, of getting them, you know, to our company. So. So what do you, what do you feel that you as a senior leader within your company, what do you feel your role is in that mentorship piece? Yeah, and that's a good question. You know, it, and again, because we're a small company, yeah. um, I'm, I'm pretty involved with all of our employees just because they all know me because we are small. I think a lot of times, I guess maybe if I could give myself a title, it would be like chief problem solver. <laughs> you know, I, I get a lot of calls when our employees honestly are frustrated and that's okay. And, and and that's what I'm here for. And so, you know, a lot of times it's dealing with, you know, they felt like they weren't trained properly and how to do X, Y, Z. I mean, it, it's really, um, I, I am kind of a sounding board and almost like a, like a safe space, you know, I guess for, for anybody who wants to talk or, you know, work through issues. I also try to reach out to folks and just check on them and, you know, see how things are going it's a little bit of a unique situation because I am a remote worker. And so I'm not in the office on a day-to-day -day basis. And, you know, it's interesting with the pandemic happening for me, you know, remote working is just how I've always been. And so a lot of people ask me like, how are you so involved with a trucking company, you know, remotely? And it, it is a challenge. And I think this, you know, the pandemic has really put a spotlight on, remote workers and what we do. And, and all I can say is that the communication has to be constant and it has to be honest and it has to be to the point and, and all of those things. And you have to really focus on staying connected and, you know, how important that is. So Well, and what I love about you is I feel like a, a truck driver or a technician or a manager or whoever it is, would feel comfortable reaching out to you, right? Like, and, and you've, you've made it clear that this is a safe space and, the, and you can talk to me. And I, I think from a, from a management standpoint, that is such a huge quality uh, because not everybody has it. And there's a lot of times where if an employee feels very timid or feels very intimidated by that senior level manager, they won't come to them with those problems. And then they just get frustrated and they leave, right? Because it's the easier thing to do. And so your approach to that kind of really strikes me as is pretty awesome because I think I think you do a really good job at that and and I can see where somebody would want to come share a frustration with you knowing that hey you know what I can talk to a senior level manager that is listening that isn't just telling me go do your job but like hey this is actually a problem we can fix it I, I think that's a great approach and I, I mean have, has that always been kind of part of your management style? Oh, man, that's a good question. You know, probably. I mean, I, I think, you know, I, I don't want to, hmm, I don't want to go down the route of being a female in transportation because yes. it's so cliche and, and yes. I don't want to do that. And so, and so maybe it's just how I conduct myself as a person. But I think I've always been kind of blunt and, and I've kind of always, <laughs> you know, been a straight shooter and, and some of that. And so I think for me, it's just, you know, keep an open line of communication and, and having people feel like they can talk to me is important to me. And, and, you know, I think 
I have not been a technician and I haven't been a truck driver. And so when they call me, it's not like I can say, well, this is what I did when I was driving a truck. You know, I, I can't do that. But I can offer them, you know, from the office side of things, well, this is what's going on from our side of things. And you tell me what's going on from your side of things. And let's see how we can make it work for both of us. And, and you know, to me, that's common sense management. But Maybe yeah. that's just me, you know, and, 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 you know, I, like I said, I don't, I don't want to pull the female and transportation card, but I think I am strong personality wise, yeah. just because I think, you know, I've been in the industry for, you know, almost 15 years now. And I think to get to where I've been, I've had to be pretty vocal and I've had to be pretty strong and I'm not going to, you know, apologize for that. I'm proud of no. that. So. I, I as you yeah. should be. And I, I think it's, I don't even think it's like the female card, right? Like I, I think there's, and we're that this way with Finder Edge, right? We've got probably three, three out of our four senior leaders, uh, senior management uh, are females. And it wasn't, it wasn't intentional. It was just that like, sure. we found really good people and we're like, Hey, this is, uh, this is where, uh, you belong, right? <laughs> and so uh, that I I don't think it's the female card at all, and I think it's more just when when people evaluate people, and there's you're strong in that regard, and and for you, you know, like transportation, you have to have thick skin, you have to be kind of absolutely, and it it's uh yep. it's yep. it's not for uh, the weak, I don't think uh, it's uh, you you've got to be strong. Yes, we can agree there. I think that affects all of us in transportation. And, and, and that's honestly, like, that's honestly part of why I love it. I mean, yeah. it's just, you know, some days at the end of the day, I'm like, why, why do I do this? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, 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 what am I doing? But man, it's freaking great. You know, I, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I agree. And once it, once it gets in your blood and, and you're passionate about it, you, you don't get rid of that. I mean, it's just, it's something that, and that's the same with me for text, right? It's just, it's what I've always been around and what I've always known. And, and I think it's, um, it's why I try to kind of give a voice to technicians and try to try to help them improve their status and improve their careers. And, and so I, I think that's, uh, I think it's cool. Any, anybody that's got a strong voice and is smart, uh, I, I think like you, you're able to do some things and, and make a difference in the industry. So I, I, I appreciate that. I think that's cool. So let's talk about the technician side in general. Uh, do you, uh, and we don't have to focus all on technicians either. If there's other things you want to talk about, but I, I'm fascinated by your operations side and, and kind of your knowledge of mm -hmm. it. But how do you view that role of a technician and maybe even circling back to what our, our conversation was for TMC is how, how do you paint that career path for somebody and and how do you understand whether management is in the cards or if they're more more than likely going to stay in the shop and be a career technician uh, how do you improve them there how do you how do you look at that from a business management standpoint and understand what they want and, and try to uh, maybe kind of tie in that mentorship or that training piece to, to help them get there? That's a, you know, that's a really good question. And I, I don't know that I have the answer to that, but I can tell you a story of a young man that I can tell you what I did wrong. And, and maybe that can give us some tips, you know, and so I had a young man 
approached me, a high school senior in the town of, of where I was. And he really, no matter what, he knew that he was going to be a technician. And so I said, great, let's, you know, figure this out and kind of, you know, maybe figure out how you could fit in with our organization and we could do some training for you and, you know, figure it out. And so I spent some time actually working with the local workforce development there. And we actually ended up writing an apprenticeship program wow. totally tailored for this young man. And I actually was able to get some funds that they would reimburse us 50% of his pay, like everything. It, it was like the stars, you know, fell out of the heavens and, <laughs> and like we had all of this stuff worked out. I was able to get reimbursement for some of his tooling and whatever. And, and he was ready and he was set and he came in and he worked for, I don't know, maybe six weeks. And I still, I still like, I, I am still trying to understand, you know, where, where that went wrong and, and what happened. And I think as he left, he decided that he wanted to go into automotive or, you know, there was some, something, but he didn't want to do the work that we had outlined in the apprenticeship. Yeah. And it was not glamorous work to be sure. And it was not, you know, the most exciting stuff. And sometimes it involved mopping up the shop, but it was also, you know, we were going to help pay with some of his tuition and some of his schooling. And it would have been in my mind, you know, a really great career path for somebody who wanted to, to see it out. And, you know, for whatever reason he chose not to. And so the next technician that I hired was actually someone who was a driver himself and basically said that he felt better when he was fixing things than when he was driving. Oh. And so now, you know, we've had him in our shop for, I don't know, almost a year. And he's got the work ethic of my dreams. And, oh. you know, he'll do whatever he wants and, you know, and, and not whatever he wants, whatever we need him to do. Yeah. And, you know, it's just really become, you know, a, a good, solid, you know, not, not A-level tech, but yeah. a, a really great technician for us. And so I look at those two scenarios and they're kind of different. And I don't know that one was better than the other, but, you know, I think from a business standpoint, you have to look at, I think we're really back to your point of, of who fits in with your shop environment the best. And, you know, I really thought that this high school kid was like, we're going to go all the way with him and he's yeah. going to go through training. We're going to send him to tech school and he's going to come in and be our foreman in five years. I mean, that, that is genuinely how I felt. And I was so wrong. And, you know, now we found this other younger kid who, you know, came off driving and is wrenching and is totally happy. And so sometimes I think it's a crapshoot, to be honest, but I think that there are things you can do from a business standpoint. Again, I think that goes back to training and mentorships and kind of setting the standards and the expectations for any technician who comes into your company. You know, th this is what the projected path is. And, and this is what we would expect you to be doing at 90 days, at six months, at a year, et cetera, et cetera. So I think a lot of that is really important on the company's, you know, from the company's perspective to outline some of that. And so I think one of the things that as I wrote that apprenticeship program, 
it really did give us a chance as a company, you know, as a fleet to say these these would be the expectations of, of an incoming, you know, entry level technician. And I don't think we'd ever really done that before. And so the work that I put in to that was arduous at the time, but yeah. it was still worth it because now we know and now it's outlined and now we say Anytime we have an entry level technician, this is this is their progression and this is what they do to get from step one to step two and from step two to step three. And and so sometimes those things present themselves and we don't want to do them and we don't want to, you know, understand why we're doing them and they're not fun and whatever, but you see it through and then, you know, it it turns out. So those yeah. are stories. I don't know if they made sense to you. Oh, no, it, it, it totally it, it, that that struck a chord with <laughs> yeah. me too, because that's something like going back to my younger self, I, I kind of wish, even like in my schooling and everything like that, I wish I would have taken a different approach in that regard to say, even if you don't need to know algebra, you need to know how to figure out problems, right? And you need to know how to, how to th like critically think. And that was one thing sure. where I, I didn't view it that way when I was younger. And I wish I would have, because now as I see that, and similar to what you're saying here, where you see through a process, you see maybe where the holes are and what, you know, what if, if you're not painting a, a clear path for a technician and you put yourself in their shoes and they're like, well, I, what, what is my next step? And they don't know that it can be confusing and kind of, it can drive some inner anxiety. So I think the sure. fact that you went through that process, it, it, it'll benefit you for a long time to come because of it. You know, I, uh, I like that. I, I, so the young tech thing too, uh, bringing them in and having an expectation that, hey, this person is probably going to be a rock star for us and then leaves. How do you handle that? I mean, because that's kind of like a kick in the gut and you're like, oh my goodness, I just did all of this. How do you rebound to, to you almost, from a management standpoint, almost have to regain that trust in humanity. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, I know. So all I can tell you there is in another old role of mine, I was director of a, a half volume driver recruiting department. And when I started in that role, the world was sunshine and rainbows. And I had never done driver recruiting before. And, you know, one of the things that was was really critical to me in driver recruiting was again to be honest and to be a straight shooter and i think i learned pretty quickly in the driver recruiting world how rare that is and and how many times drivers were told certain things and not lived up to expectations and some of that and that too almost was even more of a, a toss-up than hiring technicians was yeah. you know we would get drivers in who failed drug screens during orientation. You know, we would get drivers in who lied about accidents and like you can quickly become so jaded in, yeah. in driver recruiting and it, you have to be able to brush that off and, you know, maybe say, okay, this person wasn't the right fit, but I'm going to try again. And then that's like, yeah. it's like all you can do with, with driver recruiting. And, you know, I think though, too, there, there were other issues there. And I think, you know, working more on, on driver retention and other things there could have been a, you know, an, another natural route at that company. But, you know, you, you can't 
internalize it. Like you just can't. And, and, you know, honestly I do. I mean, I still sometimes wonder about that young kid who, who didn't make it through the program, but now I know in the future how I would change it if I was doing another apprenticeship program. And and that's what matters, right? You, you get up and and dust it off and move on. But um, I think driver recruiting that background, that piece in my background definitely (laughs) taught me a lot about um, not taking things personally and just moving on and, that's an interesting world. That's a conversation for another day. But, yeah. <laughs> there, hence the thick, the thick skin. Yes, yes, yes. It, yeah, uh, yeah. Helps. So what else do you have going on with TMC? Uh, just to kind of shift gears here a little bit. What, what, all, uh, what all you got rocking over there? Yeah, so, you know, actually, so I don't know if you heard, but TMC meeting is virtual in the fall. And so instead of meeting face-to-face, we're virtual. And so I'm actually... At first, I was a little disappointed because I really like, you know, the in-person interaction, but I'm actually hopeful that more people will get to check out the organization because it is virtual. And so because there's not travel expenses and some of that. And so, you know, I think they've they've condensed kind of the, the format for the week. And I think there's going to be a lot of really, you know, good educational sessions that are coming up. S5 Fleet Maintenance Management is doing a session on how parts rooms are changing kind of based on technology changes. So, you know, now when you're driving your truck down the road, you can get an alert that there's a failure in your part. And, you know, this dealership down the road has the part. So we're going to talk about some of that and how technology changes are improving, you know, our parts room experience. S16, which is a service dealer group, they're going to talk about how to maximize uptime from a technician's perspective. And so at our meeting in Atlanta, we had a really great panel of two fleet representatives and two dealer representatives. And they talked about how critical that dealer and fleet relationship is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when they have a breakdown, how does the fleet work with the dealer to get that resolved? And so one of the recommendations from that session was actually how does, a technician impact that uptime. And so, you know, a technician from the fleet side and from the dealer side, and, you know, how do they affect the uptime on, on the vehicles? So I think that's going to be a really cool session um, that's upcoming at the fall meeting. And then the other thing I, I have to plug is yeah. the S5 study group as part of TMC gives out a maintenance supervisor of the year award. And we are always looking for talented supervisors. And these are not like the vice presidents of maintenance. These are not the directors of maintenance, maybe not, you know, the polished, you know, VP kind of guys, but we're looking for hands-on, you know, shop foremen, hands-on technicians to be nominated for this award. And they actually get a trip out to the annual meeting. They get recognized in front of thousands of people. And it's actually one of my favorite things to do. As the chair of S5, I get to chair the award committee. And so I get to look at all the selections every year. And it is so cool to see what some of these people have just done with their careers. And so I have to plug that because I think that's just something that a lot of people actually don't know about TMC, that, that we give out that award every single year. And so I think that's something that people should nominate their tech in, you know, every single year. Every single company should yeah. submit, you know, a tech or a foreman or something for this award. So, How yeah, do they go about so doing that's that? some of the upcoming stuff. 
Um, TMC puts out an email in like, I think January, well, maybe not January, maybe December, January of each year. And I always blast it all over my LinkedIn. So I am, I always am recruiting for, <laughs> for the award, but it, it usually hits the channel late, uh, late December, early January. And uh, always, you know, on the TMC website, I think it's, you know, their maintenance supervisor of the year. So last year's recipient was from Southeastern Freight Lines and just a really amazing guy, super involved with his community. And again, like a, a mentor, just a lot of experience in the shop and had done some really cool, you know, KPI metrics that we were able to say, wow, this guy's made a, a huge difference in his shop. And so that was, that was a really fun one for sure. How do you judge them? It's tough. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's a, that's a lot of talented yeah. people. It is. It is. And so, um, you know, we get, we have a committee, first of all, and it has to be by vote. So there's no one person making the decision, but, you know, I think we look at, really kind of how they've helped, you know, change their shop. And we look at certifications, you know, do they have advanced training? You know, we look at different, you know, do they have ASC certification? You know, have they attended other vendor training, stuff like that. And then we look at, you know, community involvement and stuff like that. And so, you know, I think the the submissions are as formal as I recommend this person because, you know, they did this project. And then there's some that are, even more advanced and it is a tough 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 <laughs> conversation to have and and we spend a lot of time i'm you know we spend a lot of time as a committee you know determining it to the, to the winner and actually two years ago uh, we ended up having two recipients of the award because both of the gentlemen that we selected were just so top-notch that we would have spent all day you know, arguing yeah. between the two. And so we recognize both of them and, and, and that's cool. Like it is. we want to recognize the technicians and the supervisors and like, it's such a critical role. And so that's, that's just like one of my favorite times of the year to, to be a part of that award. And it's cool. It's cool. That is so cool. As we kind of wrap up here, I, I, I want to thank you for everything you do for the industry. I think you do some amazing things. It's nice to see young, smart, motivated people in the industry and, and kind of driving everything forward. And, and uh, your involvement with TMC on top of your daily responsibilities uh, are, are just outstanding. Uh, you do an awesome job of putting a, a great perception on the industry and kind of helping us kind of change some of that. So I, I thank you for everything that you do. I thank you for being on the podcast today. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, but, uh, but really enjoyed uh, being able to pick your brain here. Yeah, thank you. I'm uh, up for talking trucks with anybody anytime. So <laughs> give me a shout. Well, well, we'll have you back on at some point. I can guarantee it. I love it. Thanks, Jay. I appreciate it.